Back by popular demand. Yeah. The legend. We made it. Andrew Hill in the building. Beer, 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 beer. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting around the table, uh, former truck driver Matt Higgins. 15 years. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. <laughs> uh, Tableau Dev-ish Dan Huff. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Hey, buddy. And some dude. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Day trader. Good to see you again. Scott Wasserman the using man. his Microsoft Surface. <laughs> the legend. A, a Windows product. <laughs> uh, today on the podcast, Andrew Hill's going to talk about some stuff. Yeah, some things. Because that's, that's what we do, right? This yeah, is what we do. Out. That's how I started the last one. Uh, he is approximately three Jamesons. No, no. Seven I, Jamesons? No. I have to work today. We've had a... Matt. <laughs> We've had a productive week here uh, on our work retreat here in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about, well, I was listening to Andrew speak on the phone with a customer yesterday right. about their Tableau server implementation. Right. And he, it, got, it got a little real. That's one of, the, one of the most aggressive calls I've had in a long time where we actually had to go back and forth on, on what type of software you should be using as opposed to what you can do. And we quickly came to the conclusion that I had a different set of opinions than they did. And so it didn't crash and burn. We left on a positive note, but at the end of the day, we definitely disagree. So when I was listening to your conversation, yeah. uh, it, it struck me that uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about what the right use case for Tableau is, right. um, especially Tableau server. And I think we, as a company, don't do always don't always do a great job of making the right recommendations on how they should use it. Right. Um, but we ha we kind of talked afterward about situations where uh, BI implementations fail. Well, I mean, what it what it came down to on the call yesterday, and this isn't usually the case, is a difference in agreement on what your BI strategy should be. So. Um, what happened the other day was putting all your eggs in a basket that's not necessarily going to scale. Uh, whereas Tableau, we like to just sit on top of best of breed type technology. And we came to a crossroads where basically they wanted everything to work through one database. Okay. So first of all, tell me more about this eggs in basket thing. Eggs in basket thing. Okay. So when you buy a database, do you want them to also be your front end analytics piece? Uh, would you go to a barber and also have him make you a sandwich? That's, that's stupid. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. Yeah. Basically, it's the same thing, right? If, if you go to Salesforce and Salesforce comes out and says, you know what? We're also doing BI visual analytics in Wave. And if that's what that wasn't what was happening yesterday, but that's essentially the same thing. When you think, would I want a CRM software or something or a database to also be my query tool? Uh, you've seen it with Toad. You've seen it with other BI tools. It's just not what they're focusing on. And so, again, we came to that crossroads where I didn't think necessarily that they had the best strategy and uh, we went back and forth on it. Okay, so the full stack solution yeah. that has been presented yeah, the Microsoft by a lot of vendors thing. traditionally. That's like the cart driving the horse, right? It's like, hey, we've already got this stuff, so we're going to make a, a whole uh, strategy around stuff that we already bought. Not Absolutely. because it's the best thing to do, but just because that's what we have. Well, because it's another little piece of a market you might be able to strip out, but you got to remember that we've been doing it for what fourteen years now, thirteen years now. I kind of understand the philosophy though, because we go into customers all the time, and they're like, "Hey, what database do you recommend?" Yeah. Or, "Hey, how do you integrate with this uh, CRM platform or yeah. something like that?" Mm -hmm. So, why wouldn't we produce a product that has kind of our recommended best practices at heart that we can integrate with? Because our... it takes a long time and it takes a lot of thought. Uh, we don't play around with our visual analytics. That's what we do. We have UI teams that sit me down and make me click on a bunch of dumb stuff until they figure out why the red button should be here as opposed to here. And when you have a company that's focused on something else, they don't do that type of work. So they're not necessarily getting to that point. But sometimes it works. Right? So, so let me ask this question uh, with the um, caging that this is a public-facing podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tableau bought a company uh, about a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a database company. It is. Um, yeah. It's called Hyper. Um, wouldn't that 
suggest that Tableau is starting to approach that full stack solution uh, viewpoint. Yeah, you're right. But actually, at the same time, though, we started everything backwards. So what Tableau did is they started with Tableau Desktop, and then they had to build a server because people wanted to scale it to the enterprise. But the whole thing started from your drag and drop, build me a bar chart mentality, and it hasn't changed from there. So you're 100% correct, right? I wouldn't buy Tableau's database either, but if it fits in well with the software and we do well enough to have it integrate, then it could be good enough. It's no, I, I think the distinction that you point out is important, which is that the philosophy of, of Tableau has always been that analytics is really important. And so we're, we're starting to see additional technologies kind of surround that yeah. capability yeah. rather than other companies in the space who, you know, make all their money selling databases, but they're right. like, well, people need to do analysis too. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to, we're going to build this thing so we can retain market share. So it is a little bit different. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Need to, need to keep expanding. We need more SKUs. That's right. true. But at the same time, front and center is always Tableau desktop. It's always right. been and always will be. Maybe we'll see web authoring take over some of that, but at the same time, people don't buy Tableau for a Tableau server. I mean, they buy Tableau for Tableau desktop. Once that changes, then I think we'll be in trouble. Right? I think that the the reason people like us has always been Tableau desktop, and hopefully, always will be Tableau desktop. Hmm. Yeah, or at least I, I don't know if I'd call it Tableau desktop, but I'd call it like the Tableau capability, the query tool set, yeah, yeah the, query. the ability to. Yeah explore and analyze data ad hoc without, without knowing yeah. what the hell you're doing you <laughs> can still write complex queries in sort of an excel-like language which um, it doesn't take more than a couple of weeks to get good at and i think that's why people keep buying it that's why they keep coming back to the table like a bad gambler <laughs> speaking of bad gambling speaking of bad gambling we... we're in lake tahoe <laughs> uh, we were in nevada last night yeah, uh, we're in California now, but so oh, I, you know what, they, from the casino. There, night. there wasn't a lot of bad gambling going on. Or no, at least there might have been, but yeah. the results were fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true. Um, so, that. okay, so if that's sort of the definition of of why people buy a Tableau, I, um, I think that's true. I don't, I don't think people are buying Tableau for data server or or Tableau server. Well, I think yeah, I think they. It's That's a they, piece that helps them implement the it's Tableau thing. the box thing. that they have to check yeah. to buy it, but that the reason people actually get it in the first place is so that they can drag and drop fields. That's yeah, they want to they want to enable people to do the thing that Tableau does, yeah. and then when we yeah. add technologies, yeah. it makes it easier for them to do that. Right, and I think that hyper is going to hopefully. I don't know. I'm not a dev. They don't tell me anything. But I'm hoping. Don't tweet that, about this. Don't tweet about this. Sell, thing. sell, sell. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think that hyper is going to be that. I think it'll hopefully just fit into our stack in an elegant way. What you will find with Tableau is we don't release features in a sort of beta mode unless it's actual beta. There, Dan. Dan's working on the beta <laughs> Dan, right Dan's now. Dan's over probably. there working on 10.0. You guys are uh, selling the idea. Not so much software. It's the idea of data-driven analytics. Yeah. No, it's a BI culture that a lot of people don't want to invest in. Yeah. It's a paradigm shift that you're trying to establish and change cultures. Right. It's easier wow. to do it one place versus another. I would say that a lot of times what ends up happening is people think they can spend whatever their licensing costs are with Tableau, and then somehow they're now a data-driven culture, which yeah. is just not the case. So that, that no, that's a great point to bring up, and I think that's kind of the topic we wanted to cover here on this episode, which is, okay, people are going to go spend some money on Tableau either because they like the idea of Tableau Desktop or because they read a report that said it was the best BI tool or whatever. Yeah, they, the they're buying it, or something right? Like that, yeah. um, and hopefully, they're buying it because of the idea, as Scott mentioned. Yep. Right, Scott, that was a great position. You should work for Scott. Yeah. Consider you ever yeah. you ever consider a position here, buddy? Thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe. So, maybe not. Probably got a couple of chairs for you. <laughs> We've got a desk and a chair, and maybe another chair two and a desk. Well, yeah. no, I, or I just one desk. One, yeah. one desk, two chairs. <laughs> I find the hardest part is getting that shift, the culture shift to mm -hmm. that. You know, getting away from the emails and the cross tabs and. People don't even know what a cross tab is because they just think of it as a chart. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what a chart is. is. You're yeah. right. And I find that um, what organizations think when someone tells a CEO you need a big data strategy is like, okay, I'll just go buy a tool. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but even at Tableau, we've had to invest in analytics ourselves. We didn't necessarily do it right for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's been a journey for us, yes. right? And that's that's kind of the point in a lot of ways yes. is that you should be able to experiment and try different things and see what's successful. But we've had some successes and some some failures along the way. And um, I think only over the last couple of years has Tableau invested in like putting a BI stack in place that has performant databases and access for everyone yep. in a way that makes it easy. I would easy. say right now Tableau is the best it's been when it comes to actually figuring out what's going on with the business. Mm -hmm. uh, the investment we've made in SQL Server, I'll put that out there, we, we, we run a lot of SQL servers with a lot of different nodes. And what we've done with our own Tableau server at Tableau in recent years, I'd say in the last three years, um, for a while it was... Uh, not necessarily something you could use in an easy, fun way. But now, recently, everything's almost lightning quick. And it didn't just happen overnight. It took investment in computers, cores, and people. Right? Yeah, so um, so let's, let's flush that out a little bit. So you're saying a customer is going to buy a Tableau, right? And let's assume sure. that they agree with the idea, right? That they think that oh, it, most is, do, right? it is a the Tableau way of, of kind of enabling people to ask their own questions yep. of data yep. um, is the right way to go. Does that mean that they're going to be in a position to be successful with Tableau? It depends on the people. I mean, depends on the people. Yeah. So, I mean, I sell Tableau as a sales consultant, so mm -hmm. more of the tech side of things, but in a lot of cases, it's basically an interview with client to think, can they, can they actually use it? So they what is our right. responsibility there? I, this is sort of an aside, but I'm curious what you think about our responsibility as like S, uh, sales consultants or sales engineers, whatever right. you want to call it, yeah. um, to assure that the right ideas and people are in place when they buy a technology. Yeah, I think um, it burns us when we don't do due diligence, when mm -hmm. we sell somebody something, promise them the world and it doesn't doesn't not work out. What it does is they use it to about you know, 10, 20% of the capacity of what Tableau could actually do. Right. And so sometimes, and the salespeople obviously hate this, but we have to elongate the sales cycle a bit and do a lot of trainings, do a lot of sort of lunch and learn type things where we pop in and show them, hey, here's what you could be doing as opposed to here's the eight things that you wanted to do when you showed up at the door. Yeah, and that's the trickiest thing at the start is getting people out of the mindset of rebuilding what they already have yep. versus mm -hmm. seeing the different things that it can do Absolutely. aside from that. How many Excel charts have you replicated there, Dan? Oh, geez. Yeah, I was only in sales <laughs> for a year and just dozens. Yep, yeah. And I, I think mean, that's not the way to use the software. It really isn't. And it kills proof of concepts really fast. It kills POCs. It makes us seem silly trying to do something that's so easy in a cell-based software, but we're a high-powered query tool. As opposed to that, and it's again, it's a square peg round hole type of deal. So, is the most important uh, priority that the customer just wants to do something new? I think that everyone's almost expected now to have that type of culture. So, we talked about this on the last podcast, but that's why I was curious because yeah. you kind of you said something that I think could be seen as conflicting, like sure. what we said on the last show, which was like, oh, there's all these people that want to do. Uh, they want to build out dashboards and uh, service them externally, mm -hmm. right? And that um, that's sort of different from what Tableau was designed for. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, there was someone. There's a duck in here. I think. A little, um, a little barking spider over there. Send <laughs> <laughs> the kid to Princeton. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, um, I'm with you. So that's. I mean, it sounds like that's a little different from what you're saying now, which is we have to assure that they're philosophically aligned with. Well, I mean, you're talking about internal versus external. If somebody wants to have marketing dashboards yeah. or sales dashboards, right. they have access to all data and it's behind a firewall and it's secure and they can go crazy with it. As soon as you flip it over to it's going to clients, you have to be super safe. I mean, two dashboards is fine in that but case. The, the, the common thing that I think I'm pulling between those two different ideas is that um, in both situations, it's something new, right? It's uh, it's a new project, and that means they're going to be open to being flexible with how it's implemented, rather yeah. than uh, having a set of dashboards that need to be recreated mm -hmm. according to a mm -hmm. certain spec that was de determined years ago. Yeah, and I'd say the internal use cases are much more rigid than the external ones, because we talked about it last time, mm -hmm. but uh, the external use case, you're trying to solve a problem, and if you can get to that answer 
and it doesn't uh, break the bank, then then let's just do it. Yeah. Whereas internal, it's something that's iterative, and you're going to be doing it for years. And so people are a lot more stringent on the type of requirements they need uh, to get that done. And that's where I think we need to step in and say, here's, here's how we do it. Here's how uh, I've seen a lot of different organizations do it. So, okay, what so, are, yeah. so what are some of the things you're looking out for? Like if you're talking to a customer, they're thinking about implementing Tableau, <laughs> and you're looking out for... Is it cubes? I mean, that's probably one of them, Stupid right? Are there cubes. other things? <laughs> no. Is there a list of things that you that say like aggregations? Aggregations are the the death of a good BI strategy. The, now, to, again, grain of salt. If you have a dashboard that is is completely aggregated to a higher level, then yes, you should uh, promote that. You should aggregate that data, and you should make it lightning quick. But what happens is you think, okay, well, why don't we just create a bunch of aggregated relational tables and do analytics off of those? And what you do is you hamstring people from getting to the raw data. You're not going to necessarily find great insights from figuring out how much you made compared to last year. What you will find insights is the top eight customers that uh, spent the most and we made the least or something like that. And you, you need rows for that. You don't need aggregated data for that. You're not going to be able to get there. So that's a big red flag for me is if they think that they need to aggregate their data to have it in any way useful in Tableau. Granted, yes, log files, things like that, machine, machine data, you're going to have to aggregate it regardless. But I think the, the best way to do analytics is to have control of the whole data and just expect a, a query off of a billion records to take 15, 20 seconds. It's fine, right? It's, imagine 10 years ago where it took two how, hours, right? There's an interesting thing here, and it's more of a sales point than a technology point. There's two different use cases you guys just described, right? One is, hey, I'm a kind of a financial guy. I'm an exec or gal, obviously. Yeah. Um, I need these eight numbers, and I need to see those daily or weekly, right? right? Um, it's a totally different use case from empowering people to go explore the data and figure out numbers that they don't know what they need. Right. But the dichotomy here is guess who pays when it comes down to it, right? So you have to cater to yep. the fact that people need quick access to oh. a nice dashboard yeah. because they're the ones ultimately that end up signing the big check. Yeah, you brought up an awesome point where the audience of the people that are really making insights most often doesn't line up with the people that are signing checks. And so, so, so Matt, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah. Um, no one calls me a day <laughs> before you drove that truck for 15 years. No. Um, <laughs> it was a Peterbilt. Do you, it, you saying like, that's, that's where the money comes from is people wanting a nice looking dashboard or, or well-performing is that, do you think that's well, just like where no, we're so at right now? Or if you go back, I have been doing it for a long time, but mm -hmm. you know, even at Tableau, um, Originally, the money came from a couple people buying desktops, right? Yep. And the, the big deals were driven by small small departments who kind of started getting together, and then IT would find out that they <laughs> went outside of the And then try cars. to stop them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they, yeah. IT finally said, okay, we don't like you, but we have to work with you. Right. We need to get a server. We need to get some, you know, get a governance. Around governance, yeah. 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 So oh, that yeah. actually drove the bigger purchase. But now... It's changed where people, you know, they, they already have Tableau. Tableau is fairly ubiquitous in, in all large companies. Absolutely. But there's actually, you know, I think Tableau did a big part to change the whole culture where people said, hey, we have to have a self-service visualization analysis tool. Um, so it's more top-down than it used to be bottom-up. Well, that's the biggest hurdle because what Tableau does really well is the democratization of data. And that's what nobody really does well and nobody thinks of doing well. Because of that governance, that's what's driving BI forever. Now, to be successful with Tableau, you need access to data yep. and lots of data. Yes. Okay, and that's sure. a really hard thing to do and approach and model so that everyone has access, but to the data that they need and the shape that they need it. Yeah. And as performant as they need it, and it's frightening for anyone, right? That's the it's biggest. It's no until yes, right? That's it's always no hurdle. until yes. Like we will uh, not give you this feature. Uh, we won't give you access to this data until somehow you prove that we need it. And the the problem is that the people who want to ask those type of questions are not necessarily your CFO, the guy signing the checks. They're your middle or lower management type people are trying to figure out how their eight reps are doing. But you can answer those questions faster than you can get the data from the stewards. Absolutely. That's the biggest bottleneck to, get to getting Tableau working or any BI tool, forget Tableau, is 
somebody signing off and hitting the checkbox saying like, yeah, we're actually going to let our, our sales managers see how much quota people are getting to because it's frightening to give access to data because your job is not to get sued. So I, I want to expand your aggregation and cube thing because I think yeah. all this sort of revolves around it. Sure. Right. I think um, what you're really saying is you, if, if you're looking for like flags, if you're talking to a, a, a customer, a potential customer, and they might implement Tableau, it sounds like a flag for you would just be around data strategy and them having a data strategy that um, a, a good data strategy would be Conducive for they want to expose data to their users. I mean, obviously, right. that we have we have a specific niche that we fill, and sometimes there's other tools that just are way better. If they need uh, aggregated reporting off of cubes, then mm -hmm. go with ClickView, go with MicroStrategy, go with something that has a backend database that's essentially OLAP behind mm -hmm. the scenes. But so that's a red flag. The other red flag typically comes into play when they have an idea of what they're going to, this is going to sound really sort of conceited, but they have an idea of what this is going to look like at the end of the day before they see the first demo. So they, they want to have this and they're just going to completely ignore the fact that there's 10 other things you can do with it. And uh, like we said, get, get your seven check boxes checked. We have a good data strategy and then don't throw any money at people. So if you find that you, you interview a customer, I call it an interview, but it, honestly, it's it's us trying to sell them software. But for me, it's an interview. And if they can't prove to me that they're actually willing to throw some some work, some people, some resources. smart resources, absolutely, some resources at a data strategy, then that's a huge red flag because you're just going to end up with another sort of emailed out type solution with four or five cross tabs and then you're done and you can check the box. So you, you said a, a flag would be them having a design, a preconceived notion of what their end result looks like before they even start looking at a technology. Right. I think that's a really important point um, because of the, that's, that's a typical IT strategy is to when something needs to be done, they collect requirements from the people that need the thing, but then IT decides what they can build that yep. meets the requirements. If you go buy a car, and they show you the sunroof and it wasn't on your list. Do you just discount? Like you go in there and like, Hey, it has Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like, well, we weren't planning on that. So. Yeah, and I think the, the problem is we not need, that five years. The problem is not that there are technicians that help make those decisions. The problem is that they're so separate from the people. It goes that back to Matt's point, Matt's point where uh, the guys signing the checks are the ones that just have 8,000 mm -hmm. things to do. Yeah. And uh, this is one of them. And obviously, you can't devote your full attention to anything when you're in that type of position. Well, which requirements do you develop first, the data or the dashboards? The data. In my opinion, the data. That's a really good point. Doesn't I, the I, data drive the dashboard, though? Of course. That's why you do it first. <laughs> Doesn't the dashboard drive what you need the data? Well, that's the thing. It is iterative, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a cycle, right? How it do you is, plan for that? Well, I, think the, I think you take what you have and you just figure it ID out. ID departments are evolving, and it's the more evolved ones that are willing to embrace a different way of doing things, right? And it's been a scary thing, right? I mean, I've again, I've been in this industry for twenty years, and the the, the truck role, driving. Yeah, yeah, no one calls me a sales consultant. <laughs> Nobody ever calls me a sales consultant. Senior sales consultant. You drive a truck one time. Yeah, Peterbilt. I, I realized this recently on a, on a sales call with a, a new company that I'm with. It's, I, I looked at the person that we were talking to and I realized, God, that guy's job has changed. Yeah. Like dramatically yeah. in the last five years. Yeah. The, the guy that we were selling to, you know, and this is a guy who makes recommendations and basically signs checks, had a window open on his Mac and had a, a terminal screen open and he was running Linux, Linux yeah. processes yeah. on a server down the hall. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, the guys we used to talk to didn't know that. They had teams of people to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm straying a little bit from the original point, but this whole thing of let's do an RFP and you know, if there's three products that meet all these checkboxes, then we'll, we'll pick one of them and sell it. Pick the top two and push yeah. it out. Yeah. It, it's really not that way. If you look at the whole open source community and things mm -hmm. like that, people aren't really buying a finished product so much anymore. It's buying an idea and a solution. And I think a lot of folks are used to the fact now or the more forward leaning ones are saying, Hey, I, here's 80% of what I need a product to do, but I also need, 
I need some folks to work around it to, to help yep. make the thing come to fruition. And that's right. almost always on the data side. So I think the biggest value prop that's extremely undersold with Tableau is the fact that you don't have to work around things with your bar charts, your front-end analytics, not to belittle what we do. But there's people that that are paid 160 to 200 grand and they're data scientists. And at the end of the day, what they do is they write SQL queries to show someone a bar chart. Right. And so if we can do that without needing to work around, then you can use other technologies. Maybe at some point it will be our technology to do the real actual data structuring, segmenting and querying type of thing. Well, I, I think the biggest flaw that I see um, changing right now in a lot of IT departments is the belief that anything is static. Right. right. Uh, like Scott, you brought up the idea. Okay. Do you design the data model first or you design the dashboard first? Right. Well, the, the truth is that neither of them is going to be a static design that never changes. Right. So you always have to be willing to adapt one to serve the other. And uh, if you're, if you're going to assume that your job is going to be managing the same data model for 10 years, it's just, you're, you're not going to be successful. Okay. You're going you're you're to find new questions <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Well, that you're well not what I found is uh, you can actually do both. And Tableau allows you to do that because as you're exploring your data set, you can build oh. dashboards so fast, yep. show them to your end users, hmm. and then relay back more questions that they want answered. And that can just go right back to your data model. I, yeah. I can't so tell you how many times I've seen someone who has a data warehouse project that obviously never gets finished because I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen a finished data warehouse. Uh, where somebody purchases Tableau eight months before it's supposed to be done because they found people were blending tables together and they're like, oh my goodness, we need to actually take these, load them into the load them into the actual database and figure out a way to join them, create primary keys, things like that. So I, I, I agree 100% with Scott that you can actually use our tool for data design as well. You're going to figure out what people are using. You can log into Postgres. You can figure out what tables people are actually connecting to. Um, I recommend putting a query monitoring tool in front of your database as well so you can see where the queries are going to. And then uh, figure out how to design the data to fit what people need to do. Because a lot of the times it's the same thing where someone from IT or someone, some DBA thinks that this is what people need to see and then the business says something completely different. And you know who overrules that one, right? Yeah. Okay. So, what about the you just you just brought up sort of the administrative side? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about that? Uh, is do you notice being maybe a bad strategy when like customers... a red flag or something? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, again, preconceived notions of what's going to happen uh, that always hurts. Um, real red flags there a lot of the times is I know a technology that's 15 years old, and this is how we did it before, mm-hmm. and. I and you know what I I fall victim to this all the time. I was fantastic. But that's really that might be someone's only ability to understand the new technologies in reference to something before. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that, that definitely happens, and I obviously fall victim to it constantly as well. You always want to relate something new to something old, and so I want to take this new technology and figure out how it's the same as OBIE or something like that, and that in itself makes it so that you can't progress. Uh, right. You can't use something new or, or figure out, again, there's a sunroof and there's Bluetooth, but I only need five speeds. Yeah. That, that, that ties back very closely into sort of the design. I, I have I have a preconceived notion of how it's going to work before I look at the technology. Yep. Right? Yep. So they're thinking in terms of older technology in those uh, cases. The other thing is usually weird data data restrictions. So I see a lot of I'm not going to give anyone access to data until they absolutely prove that mm-hmm. they need it. And then when I give it to them, I'm going to make sure that there's like, you know, you're bowling, you have the weird bumpers on the side, so you can't make a mistake. With you bowl with bumpers? So, I, yeah, I, <laughs> still do. I still do. I still do. I prefer it. You, you know, never yeah, throw I it in that gutter on the side. Yeah, that's that's you do a granny style. <laughs> okay, okay. So oh, rag on me too much. <laughs> so Wilson and I have been talking about it in a, doing an episode on this topic, oh, which is uh, hi Wilson. Shout out to Wilson Poe. Hello. I missed the man. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about doing an episode about the belief that uh, executives are stupid, 
They're not stupid. I guess, but I don't you, don't you think that a lot from. of that Scott, comes from... I want to hear from, from Scott because he okay. doesn't work in town. This is where it comes from. No, every company has their own different set of politics around it. Right. And a lot of that politics is driven by the fact that they were the one that spearheaded the original BI project. Who is the one? Or technology. The people behind the decisions, the decisions to go forward with which okay. software or which right. uh, kind of uh, bundle of software. And that's that's usually the biggest hurdle I find at some of the larger companies, mostly, is that there is politics built around a certain um, set of tools. No, what you're saying is that somebody went all in. And yeah. they may have lost when they see yeah. Tableau, and somehow they have to make it seem like their strategy 15 years ago was correct. Whereas you can just drop it and say, "Look, uh, things have changed. You know, I, I don't necessarily need to go with the same same strategy that I got promoted on 15 years ago." I mean, okay. That's what's factor. interesting to me, though, is that a lot of the people in the more forward-thinking IT departments are folks who made the Tableau decision. Eight. 10 years ago. Which right. is a tough decision. Yes, but they've come up now with the mindset, not of, hey, I'm IT, I'm gonna put barriers around everything and present to you mm -hmm. a report that answers your questions. But to, to see that shift, there's still IT departments out there that haven't gotten it, and that, that drives me crazy. And you know, yeah. from a maturity standpoint, in terms of doing a sales call, if you, if you can sense that about an IT department, and within the first like meeting, yeah. figure out whether or not they're willing to even listen, <laughs> yeah, that's a good account. Again, account. I, I call them yeah. interviews. I don't call them sales calls. They're interviews. Yeah. And uh, if I don't hire you, we can hire you as a client. And Who's somehow... you? Exactly, right? <laughs> but, it, all right. So, I mean, from a Tableau perspective, it's very interesting because we've all worked with folks who became successful and promoted within their company. Some of them actually jump and lead to another company, get a yeah. better job, yep. Yep. more high profile. Those are the people that are easy to, to sell to because they're, they've come at it and they've seen what happens with the mindset of, open access to data. I mean, but the, there's a parallel thing, sorry, on, ahead, on the technology side. And I'm old enough to, to be, you know, selling tools going we, back to all of our did phones. drive a truck for 15 years, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I would punch hard <laughs> into the old computer. And, yeah, uh, when you cobalt, slip it in and it'd give you some... What did you use to track that data? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, the point being that, it, that the environment used to be that you could design a data warehouse, you know, have the whole... ERD up on the wall, yep. and that model could work for three years, yep. right? But now, I mean, if, if you tie it into the whole Internet of Things, yeah, just exactly. the fact is, you know, companies now ship a new product tomorrow, and there's three new sensors embedded in it. Yep. That data model has to change. It's got to be elastic. Just, it's, yeah. it's impossible to come up with a data model that lasts more than a couple of weeks now. It's not only the software, it's the hardware as well. Like, we've again, this is outside of Tableau, but... We're seeing it with how you do computing, where I need to be able to scale back by 200 cores tomorrow, and then the next day, somehow I need to figure out a way, because my website gets hits 200 million times, I need to add another 80 cores, and that's why you're seeing things like Amazon, or Microsoft Azure, AWS, that are just having a field day, because all of a sudden, you don't need a, like an like a actual data center uh, what we need is something that's extremely elastic. And it's the same with same way with the BI tool, where we need to be able to be flexible with what people want to see today, and then tomorrow it could be something completely different. Hmm. I'd say the information consumer, again, I, I'm kind of throwing some random thoughts out here, but sure. I think it all does kind of tie into this whole thing of how the, the landscape is changing. Yep. If you look at an information consumer now, everyone is one. And if you just look at the phones that we all have, right? Um, I used to use this analogy a lot. If I'm flying to Phoenix tomorrow for a, a customer visit, I don't ask IT to prepare me a report of good Mexican restaurants <laughs> near the hotel I'm staying at. You yelled at it. I pull it up, and not only that, you know, that it's there in my hand, but I need the answers quick. If I went on Yelp or some other consumer, and maybe app, you want sushi. I told you, yeah. You know, I, I, I also am not going to sit there and, it's and get help. search. <laughs> And wait for you know two hours for it to give me a result. I need it now, right, right? right? And so that translates to folks in the business world, right? Hey, this is how I, I live my life. Yeah. I've got instant access. I can see what my kids are doing at home while I'm sitting here at work, all on my phone. I you need hear that. I need Ooh, access. It's monitoring to you guys. <laughs> I need access to business data the way I get access to 
consumer data via my handheld devices. Right. You uh, wiretapped your kids. <laughs> and, and, and people today are used to learning technology and, and dealing with data in in that sort of fast cycle. Like you, you, you can download a new app for your phone and learn it. In a yeah, minute. and you don't have to go to a training class for a week before right. you start using it. So right. that's another big yeah. thing. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to uh, drive my truck over to the old refrigerator and get a drink. I would um, say, I would say, hold on. No, we've I, been talking so restrictive about data. I think when we come back from the break after you go mm-hmm. grab yourself a little scotch, a little scotch and soda, there, buddy. <laughs> scotch. Uh, we need to talk about the opposite side of that. We need to talk about people who are way too open with data because that also happens, and I'd say that's a red flag. I'm sitting here, kind of ragging on IT departments or mm-hmm. DBs where. As there's also the, it's a really fine line between being too open and making a mistake with your Tableau server. Okay. Um, Cool. So we'll do that in just a moment. Sounds good. All right. We're back. Scott Washington is pouring himself a Sunny D. (laughs) Sunny D. We had some purple stuff. uh, And he he chose the Sunny D. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got myself a Bloody Mary. Um, I'm drinking scotch out of the glass with no ice in it. <laughs> well, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on this other point that we kind of we kind of approached in the last half hour, but I wanted to just talk a little more about it, which is how often have you been um, selling Tableau to a customer and trying to get them to either give desktop to some of their business users or give more uh, interactivity to them, and they kind of say, you know, I, I don't really think they're capable of doing that. I think they're going to screw something up yeah. or I think they just, they're not going to care. Um, I feel like that belief, whether it's held by technology or by the business is maybe the biggest thing that makes a Tableau implementation fail. Well, fortunately in 7.0, we released the whole data server piece. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's like so fearful of that, you can let them be more restrictive and have control and say, Hey buddy, you're, you're, you're still the big boss. Yeah. Um, and then again, get bumpers on their bowling lane. But I would say that's less common than. In terms of data, if you're working in healthcare or education, where you have like social security numbers and credit card numbers, yeah, absolutely, I understand completely. Well, I was working with a customer, um, one of my one of my largest customers that I work with all the time, and we were talking about how to enable their people to use the web edit capabilities yeah. on Tableau Server. So that's kind of been our big push for them is just start thinking about whether some of your people could use this. And all of their questions are, well, geez, you know, they might be able to download some of the data or they might be able to export a workbook or they that's might really be able to throw something that's in Excel really or, you know, but it's almost, it almost trumps like the capabilities because they're just, um, they're worried that someone's, and they, these are like from their mouth, they're like, well, someone's going to write a query that send that is too big, and it's okay. Gonna... The query stuff, just mm-hmm. stop with that. Like, if you, if you think Tableau is going to break your database, you're dead wrong. I think that's uh, a legitimate concern. You think so? It oh, is yeah. very much. We actually oh, yeah. have processes internally that kill off long running queries, and it's something I actually have to advise customers to do every once in a while. Yeah, that's what just we because, do on Alpo. Is yeah. we right? But there's yeah. a process there to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. you just have you have to be mindful of it. So it's it's. it's I'm talking about to... modifying queries, like select star is different from select. You know, count distinct of this. Mm-hmm. We write good enough queries to your databases uh, to make it so that you just don't don't have to worry about it. So if you... that's what you're worried about. You're, you've got the wrong concerns. There's plenty of other things. You care about so it sounds like people think there might be something to that then that that like maybe business people no, don't it's rare. know it's rare it was it was not rare two years ago uh two years ago everybody was extremely concerned about the queries that tableau mm-hmm. presented probably for good reason in a couple of cases but well i'm not just talking about the queries like i, okay. I understand that there are yeah. some like that requires a strategy and that probably does. is does a strategy that should be led by it to like manage uh situations where a, a query could be too big or something because you sure. don't want people to feel like they're restricted by what there's, they can do. Yeah, not in just the syntax we write, but also what queries are you. But there's to also see. just yeah. you know should the debate I get into with customers a lot is should a business user have the capability to build their own chart, right? In some cases, yes, but honestly, sometimes no. You get you can get yourself hurt. I think uh, that's where data server when we release that seven out. That's that's where we wait what are. version. Did we release that in? Shut up. 7.0? So in 7.0, we released something. Dan. Dan, can I hear that in Spanish? 
Siete. Okay. Thanks, Dan. I believe way back in my day, uh, when we released Data Server, we gave the abilities to hide your primary keys. And your primary keys or your, your joining fields were usually something you never want to use. And if you tried to use them, you were trying to query 150 million unique members, and it just didn't work. But now they have the ability to essentially not aggregate the data, but just take away that lowest level. They can still do things down to the second, but they're not going to accidentally drag out order ID or something like okay, that. Okay, so that let, me, matter, let right? me ask you a couple questions about things that I've heard customers kind of object to in terms of the capabilities they allow business people to have. Sure. And just tell me what your philosophy on these things oh, are. Absolutely. I don't, I'm not expecting a one answer. I'm just curious. No, I'm, I'm going to get crazy um, here. <laughs> so, lightning round. <laughs> um, a customer has said to me, uh, we want people to be able to use web edit, but we don't want them to be able to create their own calculated fields. Really? I've never heard that once. Yeah, they're worried that they're going to, you know, do profit ratio wrong and yeah. then they're going to get the wrong answer. Can and then they're... You can. Oh. That's nine. a level of web authoring I haven't even thought about. Because that was a feature we released and everybody mm -hmm. threw their hands up in the air saying, mm -hmm. yay. Well, right. but I, the whole point of data server was the one source of truth. So if you have everyone creating their own calculations and you're defeating that whole purpose. Let them publish to a sandbox. Well, they can't cool. save to the data source, right? So they could, they could cool. like if you're sitting there looking at a superstore or whatever and you want to do some sort of ratio of some kind that's not in the published data source and you just need it for your analysis, you should be able to do that, right? No, I get it. So you're saying that but they they're do saying that and they get, they get the gonna, wrong answer yeah. and then they make a business decision. It's got to be handled by a process. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a little bit of business logic that needs to go in there. I think when you enable more functionality and people complain about it, then there's like an educational opportunity. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, rather than restrict them from doing that, let's figure out a way to enable it, but make it so that it works for your environment. <laughs> I'm sure Dan filed that as a bug at some point. Yeah, Is it by design? It reminds me of the old days. Of you know what, Dan, you're getting off easy. What do you see from the sort of support dev side when it comes to things like web authoring or access control? Um, so a lot of what we end up seeing is is people <laughs> using the feature um, in the ways we expect them to use it, but then also using the features in ways we don't expect them to use it. Um, mm. So with data service give me, give me specifically, yeah, give me an example. With data service specifically, we have a lot of people that want to like he's doing it. hide fields upon publish. <laughs> and then not have them show up in the workbook XML when you download it. But if you, oh. if you publish a data source and then drag that into your workbook, and then you start hiding fields or adding fields. But Wait, you're... so you're saying the hide in the XML actually doesn't delete anything. It just is a little flag. It's so it's, it's a flag for the field. Okay. Um, but then we've No had, one do that. <laughs> yeah, we've, had, we've had a lot of you know, interesting Don't feedback from customers that want it to work the way it does, and then a good amount of people that want it to work in a completely different way, wherein the data source on server always overrides what's in your workbook. That's always the thing, though. It's like everyone loves a feature, and then someone's like, hey, it's working this for us. So, I mean, that's that's the one thing that we always have to be careful about on the dev side is making sure that we get all that feedback, especially from the sales team and out in the field, to make sure that we're building it in the right way. Because the worst thing that we could ever do as a dev team is fall away from the customer. And the customer oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a unique problem to Tableau. I'm sure other companies have it, too, but I think for our methodology and our mission, we produce a product and we say, this product has all the best practices that you need built in, right? So instead of us being like solutions consultants that go to customers and say, hey, here's how we're going to kind of tinker with this to fit your thing. Yeah. We're just going to say, do it the way we want. Absolutely. But then sometimes they discover something that doesn't exactly work the way maybe we designed it or the way that they envisioned it. And then it turns back into that challenge that of us saying, here's yeah. what we can give you. Right, so yeah. that that seems like it's kind of unique to Tableau, or maybe just newer technologies that have the best practices in mind as well, part of the yeah. software. Tableau is how many SKUs, so you're not gonna pitch that many three. solutions <laughs> to them. Plus, right. you're also tool agnostic, so you're not gonna pick their data backend too if they're looking for a new. That's a that. that's a good point. I mean, I haven't had a situation until yesterday where I couldn't figure out a way to get to the data. Mm -hmm. How often so, do you get asked to recommend? A backend data source. And you just I get asked quite a bit. I I usually do recommend something. I just but say, yeah. You know, I mean, that was one of the things I kind of shied away from two years ago. But uh, 
Uh, I don't make like hard recommendations, but I'll, like I say, we use SQL Server. We've tested it. It works really well. Microsoft right um, I say, you know, <laughs> and then I have this podcast like, is reaching about eight people. So <laughs> I would, we, I we, make a we've got dozens, it. maybe at least one dozen. Literally listeners. tens of people are listening to this. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny though? Uh, I wouldn't two year, two three years ago. I I always shied away. From giving a recommendation, I tease it out of the customer, and most of the time they have something that they already want to buy. They just want to have, they you, want yeah, you to have it come it. out of your mouth. They want you to say it. Uh, right. But recently, I've been doing the exact opposite. I mean, I just I run into customers that have the wrong strategy. They have a, and like Hadoop for a hundred rows. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I have to at least tell them that that's not what we would recommend. Like, if they want to <laughs> do it that way, anyway. that's fine. But I have to tell them, you know what? That's not recommended. And if I don't, then they're going to be like, oh, you sold us this thing. It doesn't work. Right? So. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing now. It used to be that people tried to slam unstructured data and like pictures of their kids in the SQL server. It's the exact opposite now. Everyone is supposed to have Hadoop. Wait, wait. You have pictures okay. of people's kids in <laughs> my SQL They database? have blobs. <laughs> my... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let me ask you another question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is another web edit one that just came to mind. Um, okay. So the the permission that allows people to save as on uh, on WebEdit yeah. is the same permission that allows them to publish to the server. Really? So if uh, if you allow someone to save yeah, as, you're yeah. giving them publishing rights. Yeah. Right. So what do what do we say to a customer that's like, well, I kind of want people to be able to go WebEdit and like save their own copy, but I don't want them to be able to publish from desktop. I know how to fix that. Well, just don't give them desktop. No, <laughs> don't give them desktop. One, <laughs> no. A specific project. No, that, that's a that's, a, that's it, honestly right? that's something where we need to just change it. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's right. I think, no. that, I think honestly, you can't sit and bucket something as strong as being able to publish content uh, with being able to save as. Okay. Now keep in mind. Everyone who's listening, you can always sandbox where Wilson, Wilson where you can actually publish. Come on, Wilson. So if I give you the ability to publish, I can give you the ability to publish into a project that only you can see. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a way of kind of uh, taking that and making it safer. I think that should be two different checkboxes, right? Am I wrong? I'm hoping Dan's taking notes. Dan? You know, if you get feedback like that, or, you know, as a customer of Tableau, you have feedback like that, the best case is always to route it to us in support. So politically uh, yeah. correct. So to okay. that to okay. that one, I, I kind of argued with them a little bit. And I was like, Did you? Um, you know, you can you can do this project thing. Charles arguing? No way. Yeah, that's not No, I mean, I would say, um, obviously, with any software, there's things that need to be changed. And, like, that's a very minor thing. Mm -hmm compared to the blatant problems that I've seen in other BI tools. So if your problem is the fact that there's like this little thing with permissioning, obviously it's iterative. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out and we'll do it. Um, but just take a look at the big picture of what you're getting compared to the fact that you have someone who could publish to their own little sample. I don't now what I, the, what I wanted to point out, which I think it's, it's sort of a, it's something that I've noticed about myself, but I think we do it as a company, is when someone has a problem with our software, a yeah. lot of times, at least what I'll do is I'll be like, no, that's not really how you should do it's it. Offensive. We built it that way. We built it this way for a reason. And then we'll change it. And sure. then I'll be like, oh, yeah, no, actually, Never you should mind. do it. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. We listen to our customers. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I remember when we, built, uh, <laughs> when we built area maps, right? Yeah. Uh, and Dark before maps. that, we were always like, <laughs> Now you really don't want to do a polygon map like no, it never. distorts the geographic regions, and then we yeah. introduce it and we're like, "Hey, check this out!" But they look so cool. They do look cool. No, oh, I would say that that's a mentality. I mean, that's one of the one of the biggest digs that Tableau has is that we're a little arrogant. And you know why we're arrogant is because most of it's fantastic, and you get to these little things, and all of a sudden, someone says, "You know what? I would not like my people to be able to save a published data source." <laughs> You're right, Andrew. Uh, most of it is fantastic. Most of it's great, but there uh, are some things. So we've been talking mostly so far about uh, companies trying to restrict too much. I want to go the other right. way with it. Should yeah, we, so let's talk about situations. Are there situations where uh, companies don't restrict enough? Yeah, I remember I worked at this company. I forget the name of it. Nice Tableau. <laughs> That's what it was. And uh, we made that mistake. And you know what? We fixed it, and it took extra time because we had to go back in time and figure out how to get rid of so 5,000 workbooks. How could a company not restrict enough? I'll give you... I'll, well, you know what, you can use it. the Tableau example or you can use a different Let's one. do a little lunch and learn. Here's how I would 
structure a Tableau server if I joined a company and bought it and was going to start it. What I would do is I'd give the logical business units. Now, sometimes it could be uh, horizontal where you're saying it's going to be something like finance and marketing and sales. It could also be somewhat vertical where you give an entire section of the business access to Tableau. What you need is two projects for each group. So let's think marketing. You want a marketing production project. And that's what the marketing, so the CMO of your company can see. And that content has been verified twice. So everyone else in the marketing department has the ability to publish to the sandbox. And if something in the sandbox, and again, this is not manual. This oh, it is, is manual at the end of the day, but what I do is I take the Postgres instance behind Tableau Server and I look at who's looking at what. And if I see something with a lot of views in a sandbox, I instantly say this needs to go to QA. And when it goes to QA, we take a look at it, we make sure nobody calculated profit ratio with an extra 10%, right? And then I put it in production. And that's the easiest Tableau server you can start. But if your company's big, you deal with a lot of enterprise customers, I'm commercial, usually stop there. But in the enterprise sense, you can actually add another layer of IT uh, coming in and actually changing the data behind the scenes and making it extremely performant rolling things up like we were talking about before and saying this is essentially something that your CEO should see. And so in, in your small commercial type companies, it's usually fine to just let each little group govern themselves. Okay, so how would you respond to a customer hearing what you just said and saying, sure. you know, that's fine and we want to do that, but we, we don't want to use the production server resources to process stuff that's in QA. So we're not, we don't want to publish it all to the same server that's in the, the sandbox. Server like, scalability white paper. Right, but, no, but, okay, then, okay, oh, we're going to have to give you an extra $300,000 no, to make it. they usually QA. don't. That's the thing. They usually don't. Now, if that's the case, yes, we can have one of your three instances of Tableau Server installed where you can do all that work and then it goes over to production. But in most cases, you're sitting there at 5% utilization of your CPU and you're, you're thinking, wow, this is really going to brick my server. It doesn't happen. Commercial, again, it's me. Yeah, so I then, would say that does happen in the enterprise space and Thanks, Matt. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about this stuff. Right? Matt, the shit yeah. on your point. When yeah. I was at Tableau, this I had gonna get me fired. the benefit of some of the largest customers in the company at the time, right? And, yeah. you know, think of Silicon Valley, which is where I'm based, and large early adopters of Tableau technology. And what we saw happen uh, in a lot of cases was, hey, we are going to embrace this idea of letting everyone do their own thing, yeah. create their own thing. And the issues that we ran into maybe weren't CPU usage, but certainly disk space. Yeah, we end up finding points. out that people are creating their own extracts all over the place with probably 70% duplication. Yeah. You know, to answer just yeah. a slightly different question. And it, it you know, it, it can get out of hand pretty quick when you've got a couple thousand users. And you want to talk about how great it is that, hey, you've got a couple thousand users using this, but when they're all saving their own extracts to the server and scheduling things, all right. of a sudden, uh, you know, we would just run out of disk space. It, it got to the point that some of these got so big, it, we couldn't even back them up. It happened right? to us. It happened to us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and we I, we can say that you know, well, we've got a great solution with that data server can allow you to centralize all these extracts. But then you're saying, okay, well, you're so going to have to put here's something the in place you can answer. Yeah, to manage right. that process right yeah. now. And you know have. what? That's not a problem with Tableau. That's a problem with data in general. If you want the world, and you think that somehow you're going to be able to query any field ever, there's going to be some, some data creep. There's going to be a lot of things hitting people's I inboxes. I resemble that remark. Matt Higgins. Data creep. Can we, you know, can we go back to how even the company that owns the software, for a while, we had a problem with Tableau. We did the opposite of an extremely restrictive company, and we let everyone do everything. And we corrected it in a great way. That's well, why I said earlier in the podcast, for the last three years, this has been some of the most fantastic times when it comes to Well, by server. we let everyone do everything. Let's define what that is. Okay. When I showed up to the company, I had access to 5,000 workbooks. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. None of them were bad. There was 80 duplicate Some of them extracts. were probably bad. Yeah, we needed a, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Probably about the six or seven that I wrote. So what do we, we won't name any okay. names? We won't name any names. Dan. <laughs> okay, so you, overload factor there 
Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure out of those 5,000, there was 10 that were really great, but how do you know where to You log in and you just see six bajillion workbooks and you just log right out. Like, why would you even try? And now there's, there's projects, and I guarantee you there's about 7,000 projects behind the scenes that I can't even see. But when I publish a workbook, it doesn't land in front of uh, our CEO's face. Mm-hmm. It goes to a sandbox where someone who's marginally or not smarter than me <laughs> decides it should go in front of these other eight people. Well, and I think what you know we what, would... if people like it, and we base it off data, so we got that analytics team that actually looks at usage and decides what should be on our capital Yeah, I, I think that's what we do is we monitor usage. So we don't restrict like the ability for someone to publish something whether based on whether yeah. it's it's useful or not. It helps I, to have 80 cores. <laughs> uh, I think that was purposeful, though, because yeah. you need to know how people are going to use the software. Um, it was the Wild West, or as it Charles would say, the Wild Wild West. When I roll into the wild, that's some high Because you need to know, <laughs> you need to know what the restrictions are. It's kind of what uh, Tableau is doing with public the last couple of years. Is what is what's too big? Did like, we take off the data restriction for public? I feel like I mean, a, recently we did, right? Tell me, yeah. But I feel like a lot of companies might be uncomfortable with that because it's more reactive, right? It's saying, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna wait and see how people use stuff, and then we'll take out the stuff that's not used well, heavily. Well, I think a lot of companies might want something, some sort of automated process to do that for them rather than them having to constantly analyze it. Postgres and then Mm -hmm. draw a list of 80 workbooks that are in the top 20% Mm -hmm. and then programmatically move them over to production, but I wouldn't recommend it. Make a Pareto chart for that? You know what? Maybe for maybe for Google or Facebook, but when you're working for when you're working with uh, Glassdoor or Yelp or something like that, they have they have enough time to do that type of stuff. Um, if you're in the enterprise and you know more about this than I do, yes, you can programmatically do the whole thing. But sometimes, should you? Right. Right. I mean, this is this is where it comes down to like how we recommend implementing and what is too open and what's not open enough, and what's yeah. our philosophy on it versus yeah. what a, a company maybe assumes it should be. Yeah. And that comes from what we were talking about in the first half, which is do they have a preconceived notion of how it should work? Do they believe that things are static? Do they think in terms of old technology? Right. Right. So I think that's where this is kind of tricky is that we have to both give our approach and best practices to customers, but then we also have to be respectful. I don't let somebody buy a server until I do this talk and I explain Mm -hmm. to them, here's how I've seen it done 250 times. Mm -hmm. Uh, With a company your size, this is what you should do. It's very different from like three or four years ago where I was just sort of like, what do you guys want to do? But recently I've found that you get so much heartache from letting someone kind of with no experience with, with one demo decide how to structure Tableau Server like, why not spend a week with me or, or someone from our professional services department or maybe informatic or yeah, They fall into the trap of sites. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they absolutely do. They're like, sites? Holy moly, can I slice my Tableau server 800 times and then not migrate content in between yes. us? Like, think of version... Okay, here's how it works, guys. <laughs> sites are different partitions of Windows, and <laughs> you don't want those. Like, what yeah. you want is folders in Windows. <laughs> which are projects. Please don't do that. Hey, Andrew, I have a question that's maybe slightly off topic, but it, it gets back to the you know the talk between commercial and enterprise and how we obviously see some differences there. Um, no, it, it's interesting when you, you think about the difference between a small and medium-sized business yeah. and an enterprise. And for those folks who don't work on the sales side, that's how you kind of categorize and have different teams approaching those different market segments. Definitely. What I'm seeing now, even more so in my new role, is we go to some small companies, like very small companies, but their data is way bigger than a lot of enterprise companies because they're either providing software as a solution sources. So have you started to see that come into play? I mean, it's a different problem between how do I manage this many users on Tableau Server versus, hey, Uh, the size of the data, you know, the data volumes and velocity that we're dealing with. So if you had done your homework and listen to our other podcast i spent about six hours talking about that but oh, is this a podcast yeah, it's a podcast and i, I, Do I need again a to i'll reiterate from the last time i popped on here i said roughly 70 to 80 percent of my deals were externally facing big data for tiny little companies Got it's it. about 95 now <laughs> you know it's bay area though so you gotta remember matt you're in california okay so i mean if we're talking about 
to bring it back a little bit to the... Yeah, can, please reel it in there, Trump. Can I bring up something else that was already discussed on the podcast? <laughs> can you please? <laughs> reel it back in there, Charles. Let's get back uh, on topic. To bring it back to the situations where maybe um, customers are not providing enough restriction around Tableau capabilities. We talked about um, not enough restriction around publishing content. Yep. Right? That's are the there, worst one. That's the worst Are one. there other things where... Uh, companies need to make sure that they are restricting or governing access Well, there's the data usage. source side of publishing content. Mm-hmm. So remember that when you publish a Tableau server, you can not only publish a workbook, you can also publish a data source. Now, on the workbook side of things, remember when you load six or seven data sources in there and do a bunch of blends yourself and publish that workbook, you're going to want to turn off web authoring. Because people are going to make mistakes with the blending piece. Blending is one of these things you actually need to know how data works with one another. If you don't know that and you give somebody the ability to take something from one data source and then take quotas from another one and it's aggregated at a different level and you're doing it wrong. So I think what you want to do with, with blended workbooks is actually hide almost every field and just leave the ones that are useful and blendable and create all those relationships beforehand and then do some education around what you should be doing. No, it's an interesting point because you start getting into the capabilities of Tableau, yeah, like yeah. the ability, like what do you actually expose to someone and how, how much ad hoc capability you give them. Yeah. And I'm usually of the opinion that you should give someone as much capability as possible. Like the fact that I think we have to be realistic about the fact that Tableau is super easy to use and it works really well, but it's still not like someone can just open up a browser for the first time and know how to do everything. No, right? They, there's no. there's a lot of capabilities that they do need some training. Okay. On. All right, let's and let's it, pull it back into the fact that if you want an analytics culture, you want a company that runs their business on analytics. It's not just licensing costs. Mm-hmm. It's the price of education. It's the price of people. To make sure everything works. You, in the last three years, Tableau has been fantastic. And you know what we did? We hired a bunch of people to basically be our analytics department. And once we did that, everything was great. So again, I'll probably get fired for this, but you're going to need to spend a little bit more than your, your SQL server costs, your little licensing costs there, buddy. You're, you're going to need a little pro server first to make yeah, sure you Yeah, you know, Nigel Sudley is going to love that. Oh. You're not going to get fired at all. You might get a raise. No, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, yeah, we could sell a little pro server. No. You don't even need that. I mean, you can get everything off the website. But if you, now you're getting fired. <laughs> if you want to actually do it quickly, yeah, you're going to need an expert in there. And if you want to do it correctly, you're going to need a couple people. Now, if you're a 200-person company, yeah, you can just run it with your marketing manager running Tableau Desktop and publishing, up, publishing things up. But if you're Google or Facebook... You can't just buy a software and expect it to work. You're going to need to actually get people who know, A, how data works, because you need data stewards. You usually already have those. But you need someone who knows Tableau as well, because if you don't, you're just going to make the same mistakes that we did. So I think right? I think what a lot of our customers at the enterprise level are struggling with right now is yeah. we know that we're going to buy this software and we're going to have to invest in something to make it work, but we're not really sure how to plan what that is we don't know how many people we don't know what they should be specialists in right, right. we don't know how much time to, to allocate we're okay investing money but we're not exactly sure no, i'll tell you this much take right. the phds that you're paying like over 200 grand a year that are now writing macros that pull stuff into excel and then dump it to people those people can go work on the data side so think of it as a spectrum and tableau should be easy and you take everyone that actually knows how to write sql knows how to create SPSS processes, knows how to use Informatica or whatnot uh, to move data around and help and basically you have them do what they're paid to do, which is hard. It's data movement, data structure, and data modeling in a lot of cases, and then leave Tableau to the two or three experts. Yeah, absolutely. Have and, you seen this article um, from a couple of weeks ago about, he says, data scientists mostly just do arithmetic. Pretty much, they just yeah. do like, a, like plus and minus. <laughs> Which Myers. is pretty interesting. I mean, I think there's like a mythology around like what data experts do. And yeah, there's situations where you need a statistician to do something, but it's not as much as data you scientist think. was the number one job uh, this year coming from Glassdoor. They said it was the number one job that people love. I forget what it was, but essentially it was like you have the, the most uh, 
enjoyment of your job. I don't know what the word is, but data scientist was number one. And I guarantee, yeah, satisfaction. And I guarantee you, it wasn't because Can't you spent the no. day structuring data in SQL yeah. Server. So I think you're yeah. doing math. You probably did plus and minus. So I think, but what you're saying is. I think what you need is you need to, to allocate smart people to the effort of Tableau. And you know what? You have them, and they're doing something. Is that 12-year-old? That's a old that's one. talking about scotch. No, no, no. Okay, we can edit can that we, one. Uh, can, we, uh, can we get to a subject matter that we're all here for? What is it? Miners. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we're all, we all care for a special someone. Yeah. And we... Yeah, can, can I? Welcome to your intervention, Andrew. Yes, all right. <laughs> it's all been a facade. <laughs> why do you, why are you guys all here? And why are you? Matt, Matt has a prepared statement he would like to say. Yeah. Why are you recording everything? Well, Andrew, there's a reason. <laughs> Let me tell no you how it affects me when you drink scotch in the record podcasts. We want to get you some help. Do me a favor, delete all of that. <laughs> no <laughs> chance of deleting that. Wow. Zero percent chance. Uh, I'm not a data scientist, but I can do the arithmetic required right, to tell you that there's a zero percent chance. Of a lot more trouble. <laughs> You're going to do some editing on this one. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up. Are we done? Nice job, everybody. That's a wrap. I think we solved that. Question. Definitely. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> Wrap it up. Special Thank thanks to Wilson Poe for uh, editing this episode. Thanks, Wilson.